Greetings. Welcome to Space Court. It's almost like this multiple level craving of like a physical craving. I feel it almost in my chest, like a, um, it's not pain or anything. It's like a pulling kind of. In the moment, you're just like, tobacco, yay, <laughs> you know, let's go out on the porch and smoke, whatever. Nicotine doesn't suck. Like, weirdly, it chills you out, but also, like, locks you into mental focus. Like, if you're feeling weird or your stomach's fucked up or you're feeling, like, long workday, low blood sugar, dehydrated, super tired, whatever, like, get that nicotine buzz and it kind of just, like, dials you in. You're just good. Mm. So it's sort of just like if you really like this certain kind of sweatshirt. But then if that kind of sweatshirt was killing you at a quick pace, it would, you know, it just sucks. Space Cord, Space Cord. Welcome to another Boots episode on Space Cord. Boots is an acronym for based on a true story. We invite you to join us as three inhabitants of planet Earth share their human experience with nicotine. Cigarettes. <laughs> no, I don't think, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I don't. I'm not feeling anxious about it or anything. What are you feeling? That's what I asked. That's the only thing I, hey, hey, uh, uh, the only, I mean, I'm not feeling, um, <laughs> I'm biting my fingernails. I'm right, like you should see her foot right pulling now. hair it's going out. A hundred miles per hour. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't think like it. It's hard to, and I've been smoking like more than usual. I think just from like having people in town and like partying it up a little bit more. Like I've been smoking a few more of the day than I usually do. <laughs> yeah, why is that? I don't like, know. what do people do? You know? Um, because it's super addicting. It's like insane. I feel like it's a. It's almost like this multiple level craving of like a physical craving. I feel it almost in my chest, like a, um, it's not pain or anything. It's like a pulling kind of, mm-hmm. but then also like a mental craving, right? Mm. Where you're craving like the routine of it and stuff. It's really like a gnarly, when I smoked heavily, like the ways that I, I noticed like the ways. What does smoke heavily mean? Like when I smoke like during the day or I'd smoke on my way to work and on my way home from work and on my lunch break and like. When did you start smoking? Oh my gosh. So I was probably 16. What's the story? <clears throat> the first cigarette I ever smoked was at my friend Abby's parents' house. And her parents were smokers. So she would just steal their cigarettes. They were like, they were like a lot like big smokers. So they would have the cartons. So they didn't really notice. And both of them smoked. So like if one was missing, they would just assume the other took it kind of thing. We would like to introduce a mild smoker. Susanna, not of the Alamo. Capricorn sun and rising. Aquarius moon. But it is interesting to look at like the patterns of smokers, like even like some people are just way more social about it. And I think like Mark was always like a social smoker, like he could go like days without smoking and it wouldn't affect Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Whereas I realized I was definitely much more of like, I was definitely addicted. Mm -hmm. I used it as like a relaxation type of situation, Mm -hmm. you know? Was Jamie your first cigarette buddy at APU? Yes. I was so mad too, because I had this grandiose plan to quit 
smoking when I moved there because I'd been I was like I'd been smoking for like a couple of years by that by the time I was 18. So I was like, I'm gonna quit when I go to this school, you know. <laughs> and then the first person I meet smokes. And how I did remember that come up? like how did that? The only thing I remember about that is we were in the parking lot outside of Adams. But she she asked me something about smoking because I or maybe I saw cigarettes in her bag or something, and I got like so excited, but because I was like, but also like, doggone it! If like, we hear Jamie's side of the story, she'll be like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, she like offered to buy me lunch, and then she offered to like, you know, like you really wanted to like butter her up. You want to like? I've got a car, so. I remember how the kids with the cars, like, you got so oh, yeah. much. And I swear that, Dangling like, those I do think that eyes. she really, like, attached to me initially because I had a car. But then I think she did get attached to me and legitimately after that. But I think, like, initially she was like, oh. Means to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just remember us walking out to my car, like, kind of giddy mm-hmm. about the fact that we were going to go smoke. And at that time, we would drive around. So we would, like, leave campus we kind of like drive this loop through around like Glendora, like through Glendora, right? I think that was what, right, Jamie? Yeah. And then we would go back and like go back to our dorms or whatever. Smoke and walk. Let's smell. Seriously, that's the thing too. I'm sure we just reeked and I'm sure everyone knew we smoked and we're like trying to maybe have it, you know, hide it. But Yeah, at what point did you just go out on the curb? It was when we moved to the mods. Mm. I mean, actually, that's not true. We used to walk down that main street and go out past the, like, by the sign for APU and go sit by the sign. I did a couple classic pranks to the APU people when I was in Riverside and you guys were at the mods. Oh, You're yeah. all about the mods. There we go. Like the calls. prank when you um, told me that there was a family of raccoons going under my house. I thought it was possums, but it could have been raccoons. Maybe it was rac- Maybe it was possums. Oh, I hate possums. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're so freaked out. Where? Where are they? Who is this? We would like to introduce a non-smoker that was probably addicted to pranking in her early 20s. Rachelville. Cancer Sun and Moon. Gemini Rising. You didn't even know who it is. All I'm saying is there's a family, there's a family of possums running underneath your house because it was a landline. I yeah, was landline yeah. still existed. Yeah, so we didn't know who it was. That's why we used to, it was so effective at Fred and Sue's because they had that landline. Remember we used to prank yeah. from their house? Yeah. That's when we pranked Rusty Jordan and you, <laughs> you were like trying to accuse him of like, um, like plagiarism. plagiarism. Yeah, and then you said, he goes, you're like, well, I don't know, maybe we could work something out. You're like, um, do you have any, like, connections, if you know what I mean? And he's like, uh, I mean, I could get you some weed. And you're like, weed? That's crackers. I'm talking heroin. <laughs> I'll never forget. And, then Rusty and that's like, when you oh, made up the shit. name Rudy Owens. Yeah. Yeah, Rusty's like, oh, shit. No, like, I don't no, know anyone <laughs> like that. He's like, no, man, not at all. Like, uh... And then he's like, meanwhile, Rusty's like Googling frantically Rudy, Rudy Owens. Owens. That was really actually pretty mean. <laughs> I have a really mean, like, cruel undercurrent. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Comes out in my pranks, but then I always bring it back. It's true. You've done a good job of, of like, reining it in. Yeah, it's, you know, basically I'm a doctor that can stab you and heal you.
We invite you to travel through space for a real-time update. I don't know when that was taken. I guess it was when you were here, right? Yeah, I mean, now I feel like I'm still like maybe one a day at the, after the kids go to bed. Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, but what I've realized, I was actually thinking about this last night, is that it's turned into kind of like a freedom feeling for me. Um, so like I associate it very strongly to like kids in bed, I have my own free time kind of thing. It's really strange, like even to the point where if Mark and I go out on a date or something, the second we like leave the house, I want to. And it's very weird because I really don't think about it hardly ever, ever, really. Like during the day, I don't think about it. Like, you know, it's not something I'm craving at all during the day. But the second like I shut that last door, it's like this weird pull of like, yes, I can do whatever I want. But at the same time, I'm definitely feeling like that needs to stop. I'm just feeling like, you know, I don't need it. It's one a day, if that. Um, and that's enough to, like, still hurt my body, you know? So, yeah. So I'm definitely planning on working on that. Yeah, I'm just curious about the journey. And I've spoken with one friend who is definitely addicted to cigarettes. And she was just explaining that struggle. And I was just like, wow. So it brought up some curiosities and wanted to spark some other conversations. Yeah. So for me, cigarette addiction is super tied to alcohol. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to have discipline around not smoking if I'm drinking. Almost impossible. If I have more than two drinks, I really can't not smoke because the part of my brain that knows that I'm going to feel shitty the next day, it's like, well, because I just listened to this really, I can't remember what the podcast was, but it was a podcast about, maybe it was actually Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. This is just my recollection of what I heard, but he talks about how one of the things that alcohol does is it really makes us not think about the long-term consequences of our behavior. It's like we ha- we almost like literally cannot think about how like, oh, I'm not going to like the way I feel if I do this. You know, like tomorrow my throat's going to be sore and I'm like going to be short of breath or in the long term, this thing is like killing me. You know, it's like in the moment you're just like tobacco. Yay. You know, let's go out on the porch and smoke, whatever. We would like to introduce a social smoker and housemate of Jamie, who was mentioned earlier as Susanna's first smoking buddy in college. Lily Tova. Pisces Sun. Taurus Moon. Scorpio Rising. So for me, like I literally, if I have a couple drinks I, and there's people around me who have cigarettes, it's like painful for me to try and not smoke. So I, yeah, usually I just do it. Hmm. And when I don't have the alcohol, I would say it's a lot easier. I'm also not smoking for this month. So it's a lot easier for me. But I think that I have kind of a unique relationship with tobacco where I've been able to kind of pick it up and put it down a lot in my life and go huge stretches without smoking. What's the longest stretch that you've gone? Probably like six months. Okay. When did you first start smoking, would you say? When I was little. The first cigarette I smoked when I was, it was like, I was like 12, probably. Okay. Okay. That's, That's a decent amount of time. 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't smoke a lot when I was that age. It's like, you know, it'd sneak out on the weekend and like smoke a cigarette, you know? Rebel, rebel. <laughs> it's was, it was very rebellious <laughs> <laughs> for better or worse. Um, but yeah, I would say I've been like an on and off again smoker more on the regular, probably since I had got my driver's license since I was like 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've never been like a pack a day smoker, but I think that it's like, for me at least addiction is all tied to like other discomforts that we're trying to alleviate. Mm-hmm. So like I get mm-hmm. kind of social anxiety. So I'm way more prone to smoke in social situations than I am when I'm just like alone at my house. Like I don't really ever gotcha. feel the, the need to have a cigarette when I'm by myself. But there's like certain things that will really trigger wanting to have a cigarette for me. So like social situations, if I'm feeling a little like anxious or like not really sure of my place in the socials kind of Mm -hmm. setting, Mm -hmm. it can make me want a cigarette or stress like in the summer with the farm. It's like if my stress levels kind of reach a certain Mm. point, I will find myself craving a cigarette at the end of the day. So it seems kind of tied to like these other it's like a soothing thing, you know, it's like a way, yeah. we, a way we soothe other things, other kind of emotional discomfort. I won't call them imbalances because I think that's a little harsh, but sure, just un- uncomfortable feelings that we have that we don't like. There's also like all these cultural symbols around it too, you know, which I'm sure get tied in around like kind of sexiness and power and definitely, but you've never been a cigarette smoker. No, but you'll be glad to know that my first cigarette was also when I was 12, uh, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a big fan of tobacco. Mm -hmm. However, I recently, where was I? I was at like a cacao ceremony. The speaker, David Wolf, was talking about tobacco and its Mm. secretness and just Mm -hmm. what it actually does, like how tobacco is actually the direct path to our prayers being sent to the cosmos or something like that. And I was just like, damn, Mm -hmm. you know. And I have had like ceremonies, sweats, where tobacco is incorporated into the process. And mm-hmm. I definitely feel it's, it's extremely different than tobacco that I've experienced from a rolly or, you know, from a pack mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll, um, like if I go pick mushrooms or do any like wild crafting in the woods, I'll leave a little tobacco as an offering. Although I've been trying to figure out if there's like an herb that's actually more relevant to like my cultural background that I could be using because mm. that's like a much more like first nations native practice which sure. I'm not I'm, sure. I'm a Jew so I'm like hmm <laughs> some some chicken fat <laughs> put some chicken fat in the woods <laughs> mother earth will love that <laughs> <laughs> but you're I mean you guys have a lot of spices don't you spices mm-hmm. yeah yeah herbs I'm, yeah, I'm trying to learn more. I actually have been really fascinated to get reconnected with Judaism in like a way that actually feels good for me. I um, just got turned on. I think the woman's name is Jill Hammerman, but she wrote this book all about Jewish priestesses that I just got that I'm really excited to delve into. Mm. And I also follow this woman, um, Dory Midnight, on the old Instagram, and she's a witch and a Jew, and she talks a lot about how she's like done a lot of work to kind of investigate and learn about Jewish herbalism and and medicine and magic. So I've been getting excited to reconnect and do some like some healing of my relationship with my grandparents through Mm. trying to like reconnect to Judaism in a way that doesn't feel shitty. (laughs) Yeah. 
maybe in a year I'll have some more thoughts around the appropriate herbs to use as a Jew when you're wild crashing in the woods. <laughs> in the PNW woods. Yeah. That'll be uh that'll be a great episode. I can't wait for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else about cigarettes that you would like to make note of? I hate the feeling like I don't have choice around something. And like, I think I've worked really hard with my relationship with tobacco to kind of try to figure out like, when is it that I don't feel like I have choice with this? Because I want to minimize that situation because it really doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like one of the things I'm trying to feel like figure out for myself is like how to feel into my clear yes and my clear no, and then actually do that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Even when my brain is like, but it would be so fun, but everyone else is doing it. Like, you know. <laughs> right, right. Even though my intuition is like, you don't w- actually want to do this. Like, yeah, you're not yeah. excited about this. <laughs> right, right. Two years later, Lily still enjoys an evening smoke now and then. And she always likes a good smoke, with a friend around a campfire. She never learned what Jewish herbs to use as an offering, while wildcrafting in the woods, but she was recently gifted a book, written by, Dietra Cohen, and, Adam Siegel, that deals with herbal traditions of Eastern European Jews. You sound like you're definitely on the phone, which is great. I mean, I like to keep it raw and authentic. This is uh, Space Court, man. Welcome. Awesome. It feels good. How are you guys doing up in the old Doing PNW? pretty good. Yeah, we got to catch up sometime for real, not on a Zoom time limit. I know. Like All right. Fair enough. Left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, um, enough. Fair enough. Are we talking cigs or are we talking yeah. life? <laughs> Some people would say, what's the difference, you know? And that's why I wanted to really have you on this call, because at one time, I think you might have been one of those people. You were in pretty deep. Why don't we just talk a little bit about your story with cigarettes? Let's just start with your first one, and what was that relationship like? I was just a probably a 12-year-old dweeb hanging out with friends, like wandering around our town of Lodi, California. Me and my friend Adam hanging out outside of like a Long's Drugs or like uh, a Rite Aid before it was called Rite Aid. It was like some store like that and just finding like half-smoked cigs outside of like a drugstore and like collected them and smoked some stranger's cigs that we'd find on the ground. What? <laughs> How, like whose idea, do you remember like whose idea this was? Uh, neither of my parents were tobacco nicotine users, so I didn't care a whole lot, but I was kind of on board for any sort of mischief, rebellious, okay. pranklery, whatever. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm not supposed to smoke cigs. Let's try to smoke some cigs. I remember Adam, both of his parents were heavy smokers. So I think there was some kind of like psychological trip for him of like, I got to do that or something. Wouldn't he have access from his mom and dad's stash? Not my first memory of cigs, but a while later, I remember he stole some of his mom's Marlboro ultralights or something. And we smoked those and she found out and she flipped out. And um, then I remember uh, with a buddy, Chris Riffle, his grandma smoked Virginia Slims, like the skinny long ones. So he would steal Virginia Slims and call me up and be like, dude, I got a, I got one of my grandma's cigs. Let's smoke it. 
So I'd ride my bike over there and we were both so paranoid about getting in trouble that he created this little like big pen cap with the back cut out um, so that our fingers wouldn't smell like cigs. So we put a Virginia Slim into a big pen cap and we'd go out into the grape vineyards like near where he lived and puff away on a Virginia Slim feeling like uh, kings, rebels. Kings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll rebels. I didn't really care a whole lot. It was okay, cross that one off the list, but it sucks. It reeks, not really actually enjoyable. But then a little bit later in high school, I was working at a livestock feed barn, a couple different ones. I remember my manager, some older hick, chewed tobacco. And I was probably like 16 or 17, and he got me chewing tobacco. And like that is a strong, heavy, immediate, extreme buzz. So I dug it. But um, I wasn't addicted or anything, but. I don't know, some of my friends had smoked cigs in high school. But anyway, it got real for me when I moved to Azusa, California for college. We would like to introduce a former nicotine addict and a former victim of Rachel's past pranks. Rusty Jordan. Aries Sun. Capricorn Moon. Gemini Rising. You know Ben Ingebretson? Sure do. He was a smoker, and he got me smoking Camel Lights, which that was like the first smoking experience. Like, oh, yes, a Camel Light. It feels good. It feels natural. You can hear it burn like a Marlboro Red. It's not too smooth like a Marlboro Light or a Parliament. It has like a real like campfire You can hear it actually crackling like you're on the Wild West. A real enjoyable drag so i got real into smoking i don't know why i was just a dipshit and uh, drinking a whole bunch like an 18 year old moron and smoking a whole bunch and i smoked probably on average a half a pack to a pack a day for 11 years it becomes so much your thing the real addiction where it really gets people is your psychological comfort space like when you chill mentally it's through smoking cigs. And I don't know where along the line that fully switched over. It's probably different for different people. And probably that's the measure of how seriously you're addicted. But like you're going through your bullshit day or you're going through your stuff or good days. You're going through whatever each day. And your like moment of like you enjoying a little peace for a minute. It's always like through cigs. Whether you're driving in the car in traffic, like then you remember, oh yeah, I can roll down the window and smoke a cig and everything's good. Or you're watching a movie and you're like, I light up a cig and I don't know. That's like when you reset, like, okay, cool. Think about the movie. We're feeling good again. Smoking a cig or eating food. Like you eat some food, then you go out and smoke a cig. Everything you do is followed by a cig and like the cig is like the frosting on top of whatever the event was. And uh, I just got sick of it. It really started annoying me for the times that it was inconvenient. Like, I think I saw maybe like the Lord of the Rings movies or... (laughs) The long long trilogy. Yeah, some long-ass movies where I was unable to enjoy the last like 40% of them because I just wanted to go smoke a cig. Mm. And I remember thinking that was lame. And, uh, you know, visiting like family and stuff, like certain people that you didn't want to smoke around. It was just this big, like stupid drag, pun 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 intended. Yeah, I was going to say pun intended there. (laughs) I'm having an addictive personality towards nicotine, like big time. It took me about probably like a year of casually smoking to be like, 
oh shit, I've, I've got a problem here. I've, mm-hmm. I've, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning, you just want to have a cig. Or if you were like drinking the night before or something, like you wake up, you've got to fucking have a cig. You just feel like shit. It's kind of like oxygen B, like it's critical for your chemical balance. You've got to get the, the cig to feel right. Mm. And it does do that though, right? Like when, oh, when yeah. you have the cig, it goes away, but it's only temporary. And then it would lapse after X period of time, probably dependent on situations. Yeah, like an hour or something, an hour, hour, two hours at the most or something. Mm-hmm. But I also at times was chewing tobacco also, or I would switch. I'd try to kind of quit smoking, but I would think, oh, maybe if I just break up the like physical action by switching to chewing tobacco, uh, maybe that'll help like be the first step of quitting. But it, it never was like chewing tobacco stronger than cigs. So it was probably a worse choice. So flashing forward to that moment when the Lord of the Rings was playing, you couldn't enjoy it and you were just tired and you thought it was lame. What steps did you take to quit? So I got the patch, like the Nicoderm CQ, but it comes in like three steps. And it's like 21 milligrams for step one, 14 milligrams for step two, seven milligrams for step three. And you just stick it anywhere on your skin. And it lasts for 24 hours in that dose. But here's the kicker. If anybody's trying to quit through the patch, don't buy the Nicoderm one. Buy the generic one. It's like half the price. And don't ever buy steps two or three because they're all the exact same product. Just they're physically smaller. Step one is like inch and a half by an inch and a half square or something. And then step two is probably like three quarter inch by three quarter inch square. But it's not less powerful. They just give you less square surface area of it to stick on your arm or your chest or whatever. Hot tip there. Hot tip there, folks. (laughs) Buy uh, step one, the generic one from like Walmart or Walgreens has another one that are kind of shittier. They're not as good. They're like Band-Aid colored and they're round. They don't work as well. But the Equate generic one from Walmart, it's the shit. Pick yourself up that one. Only buy step one. And if you want to save a few bucks, uh, just cut them down to size yourself so like step one i don't know it's like 24 bucks a box or something but then instead of paying 24 bucks a box for for less of it for step two just buy step one again and cut them down and then you have like almost two boxes worth of step two for the same price you know yeah more bang for your buck it sounds like Big time. But the problem is that you're still totally addicted to nicotine. It's just kind of that same thing. You're breaking the habit of going out. And and that's a big part of it. You're in this funky haze, very like depression-y funky haze of like, I'm never going outside and staring at the sky and smoking a cig. That used to be how I (laughs) enjoyed life for a decade. That was my like only real source of pleasure for 11 years or Wow. Not not your only source of it, but the moment when you really thought about like feeling good. So you do get in this like major funk. You're just kind of, I don't know, it would kind of be like if you just cut out like a key vitamin, just like stop taking that and your whole system is going to be like weird. And mm. I mean, it's fucks with you. Like me personally, I don't know if everyone gets this, but um, it would be like totally foggy minded, like almost as if you were on a drug, like you can hardly focus on a single thought. You're kind of just in this oh. murky mental haze where you can barely think. And your even your vision is kind of like blurry, like it's fucked up quitting. It's very uncomfortable and it blows. How long did you do this? Was it successful? Um, so I did it like the 
I think uh, I did it in like 2010, maybe, or something like that. No, 2011, I guess. It took a few tries. Like, it, I think this patch program is like six weeks or three months or something. And um, I did it once, uh, then started smoking again. And then right away, a week later, did it again. And I didn't care. I just did the whole length of the whole thing again, like three months or six weeks or whatever. And then it worked. Another thing that really helped is I was just like kind of fucked up for like, I don't know, a few weeks. But my parents visited and my mom drinks cola every morning. She's never drank coffee in her life. She just drinks a Coca-Cola classic in a a 12-ounce can every single morning. (laughs) (laughs) She left a bunch of colas in our fridge and I was just in this mental haze, this funk of like not being on nicotine and but i cracked a cola one morning and i didn't drink i wasn't a coffee drinker at all and just getting some drug in my system caffeine kind of gave me this like little breath of mental clarity and uh it was pretty cool like i was actually able to kind of think for a two hours or something and i was like oh that was wow. fucking great so i drank another one a couple hours later and like oh yes this is it if i just stay jacked up on all this sugar and and uh <laughs> caffeine like feeling pretty good you know kind of cheap so I, I didn't buy name brand pepsi or coke i got into shasta i became a huge big time shasta man and i was buying uh <laughs> buying three liters of shasta which are like cost like nothing like 88 cents or something at stater brothers in southern california for big ass jug of shasta cola <laughs> and i just got i got weird with it i was like identifying with shasta i was like looking up shasta cups and shirts on ebay and uh, <laughs> shasta was like my thing for a few years there but it's horrible for your for your soda is like the worst cigs are worse but soda's pretty bad too so you were done though with cigs i mean it was successful after that second attempt going through the what was it three month process and then getting on to shasta that was the that was the key yeah, but then I fucked it all up. And the key takeaway is that I don't think the process ever quite ends, even though I didn't know that six years ago. So I was SIG free for about, I don't know, four years or something. And I thought that I had beat it. And uh, During that we, time, were you still having thoughts about SIGs? I mean, during that- No, I was over year. it. Like, I was good. I was off the patch. I was weaning myself off the Shasta. Uh, pretty healthy we were eating vegetarian for like the maybe the first time in my life i was like kind of like thinking about what i was ingesting i was like becoming a bit healthy then we had a baby uh olive who's six now and um for financial reasons and work arrangement reasons of like how to how do we structure things like working while wanting to raise a kid without paying for child care and other life things. Uh, we owned our house down there and we wanted to sell it because it wasn't where we wanted to be long-term. But anyway, we moved uh, from Southern California to Portland, Oregon. And some new coworkers uh, chewed tobacco at this job I started up here. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself like, oh shit, I'm way over, way over nicotine. I quit that years ago, even though it was only four or five years before. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of snowballed all, all over again, like bum dips off this coworker and then I started buying them. Never, never got back into cigarettes, but Copenhagen and the Copenhagen pouches and stuff like 
got back into that. So I've done the pow- the patch thing again. Mm. Currently, as we speak here today, I have wow. a step one, a step one <laughs> Walmart uh, Nicoderm generic patch cut in half stuck to my right pectoral muscle here. And it's <laughs> so, I mean, you're just kind of endlessly like nicotine and me been a journey. It's been a thrill ride. Yeah. This whole curiosity of mine stems from a conversation with Suze and her talking about, yeah, that kind of need and dependency on a cigarette and that relief, or again, that, as you were describing, that pleasure or that sensation that comes from having a cigarette and nothing else really filling that. Yeah. I thought of you because, you know, we've spent a lot of time together, mostly in Southern California, but in Oregon as well. I mean, I know that you have a very like intimate relationship with nicotine, you know, probably more than anyone that I know. Yeah, I don't know. Like it just clicks. Like some people are like avid, whatever enthusiasts. I don't know, something in my mental or genetic or personality makeup, just like, oh yeah, nicotine. That's my sleeping bag. That's my like comfort fucking blanket. The only downer with it is that it's bad for you. Like nicotine doesn't suck. Like weirdly it chills you out, but also like locks you into mental focus. Like if you're feeling weird or your stomach's fucked up or you're feeling like long work day, low blood sugar, dehydrated, super tired, whatever, like get that nicotine buzz and it kind of just like dials you in. You're just good. Mm. So it's sort of just like if you, I don't know, like some garment of clothing, like if you really like this certain kind of sweatshirt, but then if that kind of sweatshirt was killing you at a quick pace, it would, you know, it just sucks. <laughs> it's like, fuck, it wasn't horrible for you and uh, caused cancer and whatever. I'd say, yeah, big time, sig, tobacco. Mm-hmm. I've got a kid. She's very super cool. I can't go dying. Right. So I'm working on cutting back but also for me like I kind of need to be in a chill working living environment lifestyle to to even think about quitting like I guess I've gotten back into it because this job that I took up here it's been six years now kind of snowballed into a very stressful thing Mm. but I'm on the process of leaving it so I think I'll be able to successfully quit again but at least this time now I have the wisdom of don't even mess with it five ten years later it could happen. You can get locked in real easily again. Yeah. Life lessons. I know a lot of smokers, you know, but like straight up mega addicted, you know, I think there's different versions of that. You on this episode are the like severe case of addiction. Oh man. Geez. Ouch. What do you you mean? (laughs) You should wear that badge well, man. It's real. I know. And that's why I knew you'd be perfect for the call. You know, where are you? Where are you tonight in the world? Uh, I'm on Big Island. I'm in Hilo, Hawaii, and I'm in my office, which is outside. Nice. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you hear this constant her her sound, but it's a bullfrog from one of the ponds. But I've got a lot of yeah nature sounds happening. This is an epic zone. I really hope you is and Olive get out here sometime because it's it's mega nature, so beautiful. 
talk about chill vibe. I mean, everything that you're describing about pleasure and chill and just it fixes every, I mean, that's Hawaii to me. It's like, this is, this must be tobacco. This must be the land of tobacco, you know, which actually you could grow. You could grow tobacco here very easily. I think the unnatural rat racy fucking job stress world of not just America, but life that you need to like encapsulate that little your hawaii big island outdoor office bullfrog experience it's like throwing that into a little capsule and anytime anywhere enjoy a bit of like freedom even Mm. though you're dying and you're not free at all but you know Mm -mm. yeah that makes sense i understand that for sure because when you have access to it it is it's like don't want anything else don't need anything else this is it yeah like your house could be burning down and like your right. leg could be run over and you could just like have a little hit of that the good stuff the big island freedom well i mean and you know sp- speak about fires i mean it is an active volcano it exploded two years ago like that's a very real reality and people are still like whatever might as well be here you know like <laughs> You know, talk about death, right? I mean, it is imminent and it's definitely, you know, something that people roll the die with, you know, same with nicotine, right? You roll the die with it. It's that good that you're like, well, I know this is bad for me. I know this volcano is going to explode. It's worth it. Like with all things, I think we just have to make our choices and be called to whatever path we're on and trust that journey. Trust that journey. Mm, Well said. Well said. Two years later, Rusty says he's doing pretty good, and has switched over to these little salt pouches that have nicotine in them. They are an alternative to nicotine. He started at 7 milligrams, then went to 6 milligrams, then 4, then 3, and is currently down to 2 milligrams. He's planning to drop them all together in the near future. Space cord, space cord. Space cord. Like, this is one picture that I was thinking of sending to like 1010 and just saying, like, I think that I'm gonna ask Suze if this can be her obituary. Oh. so crooked like look how crooked the buns are based on how you've been wearing wigs everybody's like it looks crooked on you it looks so crooked your hair looks awesome oh oh man so that's one idea (laughs) 